you know, I just, I can't stress that enough. There's some here that just need to hear that, that, oh, it's me. Oh, it's not God. God's not holding back on me. Let it be a revelation to you today. God's not holding back on me. It's me needing to be near and come close. Come close. Oh, I've already been close. No, don't make that mistake. Come close. Come near. Draw near in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise the Lord. Well, thanks, team. Um, appreciate that worship today. Real heartfelt. And um, isn't it amazing sometimes when you just pray and the Holy and you pray, Holy Spirit, come. And you've got just enough expectation there, and He comes. You know, I always get a little bit of a shake in the knee. That's my tell. All right, if you want to know what my tell is. When the Spirit of God's, I just got a little bit of a little knobble in my knee, you know, and then it gets worse. <laughs> Usually about that time I need a catcher when it gets like that. Amen. You know, we've been seeing um, and we've been on a subject, I believe, that's dear to God's heart and that's about his pathways. And, um, you know, as we stay on them, his pathways grow brighter and brighter, you know. It gets better. Um, Psalm 1611. I thought it was so appropriate for, um, for the topic today, and it's not even up on, the, up on the screen, but I'll just share it with you. Proverbs 1611 from the Passion Translation says this, Because of you, I know the path of life. As I taste the fullness of joy in your presence. At your right side, I experience divine pleasures forevermore. Praise the Lord. You know, there's nothing like a touch from God, is there? There's nothing like it. You know, some of us need to get a little bit more hungry for it, you know, because it actually, you know, the, the, the I guess you could say the, the way that it works, the, the commerce of the presence of God is very much about our hunger. How hungry are we? I'm real hungry, you know, and just keep pressing in for more of what he has for us. That word more is going to be big this year, I believe, because we need more. We need to desire more and, uh, and, and run after it. Proverbs chapter 4 is a key verse that we've been looking at through this, uh, through this current series. Proverbs chapter 4, verse uh, 18 to 19, it says, The path of the righteous is like the first gleam of dawn, shining brighter and brighter until midday. But the way of the wicked is like the darkest gloom. They don't know what makes them stumble. I talked a little bit about that last week. You know, I don't know about you, but me, my experience is, is if I'm ever walking along and I stumble, I stop and look to see what it is that made me stumble. Everyone does that. In fact, I don't even know anyone who wouldn't stop to see what made them stumble. And so we need to be those that look and say, what am I stumbling over? What's causing my pathway to be so difficult and full of trip-ups and slip-ups? What's causing that? And then be honest with ourselves about it. Uh, we saw last week how the powers of darkness would try and trip us up on God's pathway. You know, put, actually put stumbling blocks in our way. Little triggers that will just set us off and get us upset. And uh, slip-ups and trip-ups all designed to keep us from progressing on that brighter and brighter pathway. 
and we should recognise that the Lord will continue to send us his word. Always going to, his word's going to be uh, the light, you know, that light of God's word will always illuminate where we are. It tells us where we are, doesn't it? You know, the entrance of his word gives us what? Light. Uh, the scripture says that. And uh, Psalm 119, 130, the entrance of your words give light. It gives an understanding to the simple. Who's the, who are the simple? All of us. In the light of what God knows, we're all simple, right? And it's a good place to be, you know. I say, let's just be simple so God can actually give us light. It's when we start being wise that we start to think that we're figuring it all out. Sometimes that's where our mistake is right there. You know, the Bible talks about the kingdom of heaven being for, you know, uh, becoming like a little child. It's, it's that innocence. I, I, I don't really understand it, really know, but Lord, I know you'll show me, you know. It gives understanding to the simple. You see, we have to keep getting up from our trip-ups. That becomes a pattern of, of life as a Christian. We get up from our trip-ups. We don't stay down. We have to recognise that when others fall, we should pray and support them that they get back up again. That's the first thing that we should, that's the first job. When others start to trip up, other, we see others slipping up, you know, maybe falling into fault or, or some area of sin. You know, we don't judge and criticise, but rather we start to pray for them. Get behind and lift them up in prayer. I like this passage and it does talk very much along these lines. Micah chapter 7 and verse 5 through to 6, it says, Do not trust in a friend. Do not put your confidence in a companion. Guard the doors of your mouth from her who lies in your bosom. Whoa. For son dishonours father, daughter rises against her mother, daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. A man's enemies are the men of his own household. Pretty, pretty amazing little passage, isn't it? How many know that what we're seeing in these verses are stumbling blocks? Stumbling blocks. Trip up events that can be caused by those that are closest to us. You know. Friends, companions, marriage partners even, family members. The prophet Micah is describing offences that really come to us all. Even from our own household. It's interesting, isn't it? And he lets us know his solution. So let's pay attention. Here's the solution. If you're looking for an answer to this trip-up event, slip-ups, things that go wrong, stumbling blocks in your life, Micah continues. He says this, Therefore, I will look to the Lord. I will wait for the God of my salvation. And my God will hear me. He's got a confidence. And then he makes a decree, and I love this, I love this part. He recognises the stumbling block, where it's coming from. He makes a decree to the enemy. And look at this, do not rejoice over me, my enemy. Hallelujah. When I fall, I'm not going to stay down. When I fall, what does he say? I will arise. When I sit in darkness, the Lord will be a light to me. Good word. Good word from the prophet Micah. And we can all take it on board. You know, when I fall, I'm not going to have a pity party. I'm not going to ring ten friends and tell them, I just fell. 
And if you've got 10 friends, they should all be saying the same thing. Well, get up. Wait on the Lord. Call out to God. He'll help you. He'll send his light. You know, if you've got good, 10 good friends, they'll do that. And, you know, it, it, it's so important. When we stumble because of offence, remember we talked about this last week, offence is a stumbling block. The way out of darkness is to let the light of the word deliver us. What God says. You know, what he's saying about the situation. Not what we're thinking. Not what we, you know, we suspect or are suspicious of. But let what God's words say be the thing that is a light to our path. See, what we recognised last week was that even on God's pathways, doing all we know to do, going to church, reading our Bibles, supporting the work of the kingdom, being on a roster, you know, serving in the church, you know, we can experience trip-up events. Events, you know, those slip-ups, those stumbling blocks, sometimes put there by the enemy. We'll talk about that a little bit more, but who hasn't been offended at some time in their Christian life, offended with another believer. There should be no hands up, by the way. <laughs> okay. Because we've all been there, you know. Someone rubbed us the wrong way. But the Lord doesn't want us to stay in an offended state. And he's given us, he even even through Micah, don't stay there, you know. Draw near to God like we've been, we've even been hearing prophetically. That wasn't in the plan today to even talk about that. God's saying, draw near to me and I'll draw near to you. There's a place of closeness and intimacy that we all need to run to with God in times of trouble. I remember once um, being offended with another minister. Don't mind telling you about this one. Didn't really know the minister, <laughs> the minister personally. But I can tell you when it was in the circumstance, it was the year 2000. And uh, this day, uh, I remember what I was doing. I was painting, uh, painting a room in the house. And, uh, and, 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 and I had heard, you know, probably before the days of internet and that, but I had heard uh, that this minister was doing some meetings. And the thing was, is that I knew he had had a moral failure. All right? I knew it. And he was having, and it was almost like he was now going to have meetings. And I'm going, well, he really shouldn't be having meetings, you know, because he's had this, you know, moral failure. And I, I was, you know, I was actually by myself in this exercise of painting this room this day. And I'm so, so I'm meditating on this and going, how, how dare he start having meetings, you know, when he's had this moral failure. And, and, uh, and, of course, in the privacy of my own mind, you know, in my own thought, my own meditations, I wasn't um, finding someone to criticise uh, him about what had happened. I wasn't doing any of those things. But let me tell you, I was offended. That's really how you would describe my condition. I was offended. And, you know, the truth is I was judging him. I was having ugly thoughts about him and his sin. And... Uh, and, uh, and, of course, the Lord heard it. Don't you know that even when you're having the wrong thoughts, the Lord hears it? Amen. Amen. Uh, the powers of darkness can't, but the Lord can. He even knows what's going on in your mind and in your thought life. A 
and the Lord intervened and he pulled me up and the Lord spoke to me and showed me how displeased he was that I was thinking about one of his kids in that way. What a, it was a bit of a revelation, you know. And it really, it, I guess it shook up my world concerning judgment and, and the, the attitude I have toward others because people, people do fall. People do have those areas in their life where they, where they have failures. But, you know, he's no different than the guy in Micah, you know, that's talking about. When I fall, I will arise. And maybe him starting to have meetings was him arising again, you know. Perhaps he'd had a whole bunch of friends around him who restored him after his failure. You know, and there's been, you know, other times that I guess I've sort of heard things about different ones, but after that moment, and particularly the way the Lord dealt with me, I felt his hot displeasure. I can only describe it as being really hot. You know what? Like when you're a little kid and you get told off and get told in the classroom to go and stand in the corner. That's how I felt. I felt, I felt, I went back to my childhood. I was almost actually, I don't know what my temperature was, but I was steaming, you know, because I felt that hot displeasure at doing something wrong and the Lord chastised me. And I'm so glad he did because the Bible says if we're without chastisement, we're illegitimate. Chastisement is for sons and daughters. You know, he gives it to us because we're his kids. Corrects us in our way. And, you know, being less judgmental was a fruit of that encounter with the Lord. And, uh, you know, I guess the truth of it is, is that I guess now if he was having meetings, I'd probably go to one. That's really the reality of it. I know, despite the moral failure, despite that being in his past, because how many of you know the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin and all unrighteousness, you know. And uh, boy, boy, a bit of a lesson. Offence has consequences. Last week we considered that when Jesus started his itinerant ministry, he and his team made a ministry visit to his hometown in Nazareth. And the Bible says he couldn't do many miracles there. It says because they were offended. And we'll look at that again because it's well worth it. Matthew chapter 13 Verse 54, we'll pick it up. It says, And he went to his hometown and began to teach them in their synagogue, so that they were astonished and said, How did this wisdom and these miracles come to him? Isn't this the carpenter's son? Isn't his mother called Mary? And his brothers, James, Joseph, Simon, and Judas, and his sisters, aren't they all with us here in our little town of Nazareth? So where does he get all these things? Verse 57, look at it, and it says, and they were offended by him. But Jesus said to them, a prophet is not without honour except in his own hometown and in his household. Isn't that interesting? And it says this, verse 58, the real clincher, consequences from offence, and he did not do many miracles there because of their unbelief. I don't think Jesus was holding back and saying, well, you guys in this town, you're not getting many miracles because you just offended. I'm sure he didn't go out going, I'm just going to cut off the miracle flow right now. No, it's because the atmosphere was affected by their offence. It became, it became an atmosphere of unbelief. 
you see. The spiritual atmosphere was not charged with faith, it was charged with unbelief because of their, you know, their, their offence. The enemy knows this, all right? The enemy knows that offence breeds unbelief. Amen. And, uh, and, of course, has a potential to rob us of our blessings. And, of course, we know that, that the enemy is a thief. We already understand that about the enemy. He's a thief. Jesus said that he comes not for anything but to rob, to kill, and to destroy. Rob, that makes him a thief. He'll come and rob the blessings if you're not aware, if you're not watching for it, if you don't realize what's at risk. Amen. So let's recognize the strategy of the enemy. Not after we've fallen, not when we're sitting in darkness and gloom, you know, not, not when we sat there for a long time, but straight away. When I fall, what will I do? Arise. When I fall, I will arise. Amen. And God will be a light to me. The atmosphere of faith is dependent on us. You know, when we come to the altar, and I just want to just little segue here, when we come to the altar for prayer, when we gather together as a church, we should come with that expectation for an open heaven, you know, doing all we can in our own lives to make sure that there's nothing that would hinder us from receiving what God wants to pour out in our lives. You know, for the presence of God to be manifestation and the gifts of the Holy Spirit to flow. We want that open heaven in our lives, don't we? We want that. So let's be quick to recognize the little offenses that are placed in our path by the enemy for us to trip over and make sure we stop and look to see what it was that tripped us up, slipped us up, and get that offense out of our lives quickly. Don't keep tripping up over the same thing. Remove the stumbling block. Get free of it once and for all. Galatians chapter 5 and verse 13 says this, For you, brethren, have been called to liberty. See, we're, we're called to be set free. We're called to be um, uh, no longer captives, but set free people. For brethren, you've been called to liberty. Only do not use liberty as an opportunity for the flesh. In other words, just because we are free, don't indulge the passions of the flesh. Don't allow that to just be the thing that, oh, well, I'm going to allow this because I'm forgiven. You know, don't be that way. Don't make those little excuses. Look what it says. For the law is fulfilled in one word, even this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. How you want them to treat you, you should treat them. Amen. Amen. For the law is fulfilled in one word, even this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. But look what it says. But if you bite and devour one another. That's a, that's a pretty, pretty rough picture, isn't it? It's like, you know, people fighting, you know, fighting and carrying on and, and having harsh words with one another. But if you bite and devour one another, be, be, beware lest you be consumed by one another. You know, just eaten up and spat out, you know. Beware, it says. Just notice that the biting and devouring of one another, that's not always a plot of the enemy. We're getting the understanding here. That's sometimes the flesh, you know, the lower nature. Uh, we could say the old man misbehaving. And we've all got one. All right? Some of you are looking very holy this morning. That's all I just say. We all have an old man. You know, that wants to rise up. 
As that saying goes, we should keep the old man dead and buried face down. So if he tries to dig himself out, he only digs himself deeper. Good saying. I like that one. It was an old saying. The old man. You know, the person we were that we should keep crucified with Christ. Because that's what the Bible says. We're crucified with Christ. Paul said it, Galatians. It's no longer I that lives, but Christ that lives in me. Amen. He says, I've been crucified with Christ. You know, those moments can happen whenever you get people together where we have a potential, you know, that potential just to rub someone the wrong way. Sometimes it's not even intentional. But worse, if it is intentional, that's the sort of stuff that we've got to deal with. There's nothing uglier in the body of Christ than strife and disharmony. Disputes that arise because people are easily offended. According to the love chapter, 1 Corinthians 13, it says, God's love in us is not easily offended. You know what I mean? Easily offended. We've got to move away from being easily offended. You know, we spent time this week praying for families and praying for one another. As a church, we put that out as a prayer topic for the week. Uh, this one we've already announced being around health and healing, but it's a great practice um, because it's hard to hold a grudge towards someone if you're praying for them. Amen. You know, you might be having a dispute. You might be in some type of, you know, uh, uh, absolute departure from any form of fellowship, etc. But you can still pray for them. You can still go to God and say, Lord, I'm just, just going to pray for them. I want to love them from afar. <laughs> and that's the starting point. Start to just, you know, just start to pray, pray for them. He was just talking about this, I think, the other night. was just saying that um, just because you've forgiven someone, it doesn't mean you need to fellowship with them, you know. You can fellowship with them from afar, you know. <laughs> but I'll tell you what, it's vital that we love them. You know, and bear no malice towards someone. And I'll tell you why, and it says, it, it, you know, it's so important that we see this because love should always define us. You know, we've, we've, we've talked about what, what that means is that we're always ready to forgive. When we're walking in love, what that means is that we're always ready to forgive another for any, you know, ill treatment toward ourselves. That's what that means. You know, you say, well, they're not really happy with me. Well, you can't change that. But what you can change is the way that you're always ready to reconcile, you see. Um, I love the, uh, the statement that says, I'm pretty sure it was Bill Hybels who said it, biblical unity is not the absence of conflict. Uh, and I, I just, in my own little brackets there, I would put that's because whenever you get a few people together, someone's going to rub someone the wrong way just happens but biblical unity is not the absence of conflict it's the presence of a reconciling spirit so you start just coming back to that place well I'm just I, I, I'm ready for reconciliation you know we talk about you know if and I've, I tell you we've got Pastor Margaret coming at the end uh, the beginning of March for, for a ministry visit I'm looking forward to that it's going to be very exciting but 
I, I worked very closely with Pastor Margaret, and I found that in her ministry, if someone had uh, uh, someone you know was upset with her or, or anything like that, and you know we'd be talking maybe about it, you know, like in a, in a pastoral ministry sort of context, she'd say, "Well, I just forgive them," and I'd turn to her and say, "You don't need to forgive them, Pastor Margaret. They need to, you know, the, you don't need to forgive them, you know." And, and it was like, "Yes, I do." You know, she'd done nothing wrong. But, you know, she just knew that was what her heart needed to be. And so she just got to that place where she's just always ready to reconcile, always ready to, to love and forgive. Amen. I hope I'm talking to a few people today. So this, is, this is what brings unity and harmony, the disciplines of unity and harmony. Look what, look what um, Jesus said. He said in John 13, verse 34 to 35, he says, a new commandment. This is the New Testament. We've been walking in it now for 2,000 years. It's about time we started getting it right. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you. Now, just stop for a second. How did God love you? To what extent? Uh, we say it here, it's one of our cliches. He loved us where we were. That's it. He loved us where we were. He didn't wait until we were better to start loving us. And we did get better, but we had to get born again to start getting better. He didn't wait until then to start loving us. He loved us where we were. And I love that because that's the new command that he gave us. I give to you that you love one another as I have loved you. Sometimes that's hard. That you also love one another, verse 35, by this... All will know that you are my disciples. If you have love one for another. In other words, it's a disciplined thing to love one another. Love should be the identifying activity among believers for those that are outside the church to see. You know. Not having dummy spits. You know. Temper tantrums. Stomping up and down on the ground. Have you ever seen anyone do that? Actually so angry that they stomped up and down on the ground. I've seen that. Pretty, pretty, pretty crazy, especially when it's at you. I've seen that. Stomped up and down. This is when I was a younger man, a guy that I was working for, and I ploughed his field wrong. <laughs> and he, he discovered it. And I tell you, he was stomping mad. <laughs> I must tell that story one day too. I was 18 years old and I'd, he'd give me a go on the tractor. <laughs> and it was seeding season and he didn't have time to go, for, to go back and overdo it again, but I hadn't done it deep enough. And he came up and I learned some words that day I'd never heard before, you know. <laughs> because he was, so, he was stomping mad at me. Love should be the identifying activity among believers for the world to see. Look what it says in Galatians chapter 5 and verse 22. It says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering. We need that. Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, verse 23, gentleness, self-control. 
Against such there is no law. Verse 24, and those who have Christ's have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live in the spirit, let us also walk in the spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. Wow. Conceit is always about our own perception of ourselves. That's what being conceited means. It's about our own perception of ourselves. The Greek word is defined as self-deluded conceit driven by delusions of grandeur. Wow, what an interesting definition of the word conceited. You see, our walk in the spirit builds our own lives and the lives of those around us. If people are going to see anyone in our lives, it should be the new man not the old man. Through the fruit of the Spirit that we have on display, that we live out of, that we choose to live out of. And of course, that's so very much seen through our love for one another, our readiness to forgive, our readiness to let things go. Look what it says, Romans chapter 12 and verse 16. It says, Be of the same mind toward one another, do not set your mind on high things, but associate with the humble. Do not be wise in your own opinion. So again, that's that conceited thing that we've got to watch out for. What we're taught, what we are taught by the scripture is that our own view of ourselves needs to be scriptural and it needs to highlight our dependence on God, not our perfection. If you find a perfect church, you know what they say? You heard that one, Rach? If you find a perfect church, don't join it. You know why? Because it won't be perfect anymore. Come on. You know, and that's just, just that recognition that no one I know is perfect. We were joking the other day. I don't know what I said. I'm not perfect, but I'm close. You know, we just did a little joke with Rose, you know, as we we're doing stuff around the house and that. But um, you've got to know that, you know, even... Even ministers make mistakes. Even ministers can, can fail and have little slip-ups. Give us a chance to get it right, is what I would say. You know, even the leaders, you think leaders should be perfect. Well, they're not. They're not even close, you know. You know, I heard a story. Um, Pastor Ray McCauley, pastoring one of the largest churches in Johannesburg in his day, there in uh, South Africa, and one day he comes out of this hotel uh, lobby uh, lift and he's just, fin he's just finished up, you know, doing some Christian meetings and, and uh, was finishing up after that time. And, of course, there were three drunk guys standing there waiting for the lift as he came down into the lobby. There's these three drunk guys. And they're all standing there and there's one on either side holding up the guy in the middle because he was the worst drunk among them. And they're all swaying and they're trying to hold each other up. And, and of course, he comes out of there and comes out of the lift and he looks at them and, and his eyes are eyes of judgment for them and, and he's offended by them and he's thinking what a mess is this you know, good South African accent, what a mess you know, he says and he's thinking you know, these things as he walks past and he sort of slides past to sort of move away from them you know and the Lord speaks to him. 
and says, the only difference between them and you is me. Praise the Lord. Only difference. And you know, when we, when we take that back on board and just actually just, just consider that, boy, we need to be lowly. You know, we need to have that less conceited view. You know, we need to have that. We need to pull judgment out of our view of others and come back to that place of coming out of the heart of God whenever we meet people who are, you know, uh, in that place. Just acknowledge Jim at the moment there. You know, Jim, I just appreciate what you're doing there out, out in the park, you know, and when you just sit there with the Bibles, you know, that's a, the light of the word. Amen. The light of the word. And in there is all the answers that people need to walk in newness of life. You know, and it's a great thing that you're doing there, Jim. Just acknowledge that. Amen. Let's just put our hands together. Don't worry. Jim will tell you straight up. He doesn't do much. He just sits there with the Bible, with John 3.16 sign, and people can come and self-serve and get their, have a bit of a chat. I know Jim will just point them in the right direction. But uh, it's a good thing, you know. Look what it says in, because, um, you know, the fact is, we've got to remember it. You know, whether, whether we're in a hard place on male oval or where we've got three houses and expensive cars, we're all the same. We're all just a big mess without Jesus. You know, the minute, the minute we start getting a hold of those little realities, the better off all of us are. Amen. That's where the breakthrough is, coming to Jesus and letting him put you on a pathway. I'm no different. He put me on a pathway at the age of 21, showed me door A, and I could have said no to it. Could easily have said no to door A. Amen. I'm so glad I, I took door A. Colossians chapter 3 and verse 12, last, actually second last scripture. Just read this. It says, Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, Put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering. Verse 13, bearing with one another and forgiving one another. If any has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you also must do. That's our, that's our scripture, isn't it? But above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection. See, we can get close. You know, we can get close if we walk in love. Verse 15, And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which also you were called in one body, and be thankful. You know, we've been given so much. We've got so much in Christ to be thankful for. Thank the Lord that in the midst of our relationships, we have the spiritual attitudes and strength of our inner man to rise up above hurts, to rise up above the grievances, to lift ourselves up out of darkness if we've fallen over in our offences. And we should be thankful that we have the direction and guidance of God to avoid the stumbling blocks and to quickly rise up. When I fall, what will I do? Arise, arise. I just want to read Psalm 19, verse 12 through to 14. It says, Who can discern his own errors. Cleanse me from my hidden faults. Keep your servant also from willful sins. May they not rule over me. Then I will be blameless and cleansed of great transgression. 
verse 14, look what he says. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight. What a great prayer to pray. You know, why don't we just all stand this morning and, you know, you might be sitting on a grievance. You might be sitting on an offence today. But this is a moment, a, ch a time, a chance to do something about that. You know, we're going to be dismissing soon. Just let you know that it is lunch Sunday. So there's lunch available. It's going to be coming out fairly shortly. Looking forward to that. But I just want to just impress upon you this morning that the Lord hasn't finished with us just yet. So don't be moving around or, or going anywhere. I'm just going to ask the worship team to come on up. I'd like us to pray. I'd like us to deal with whatever may be going on in our hearts. That's, that's a miss. That's not as it should be. I want us all to be really, really honest. If they say that if there's someone you should be honest with, it should be yourself, first of all. Amen? And Father, we thank you that we're a people, Lord, that want to draw close to you. Even more so, Father. We speak reset over this people today. Lord, it'd be like something's not working as it should be, but we can press reset today. We can push the button and start it all over again today, Lord. We know we can because your mercies are new every morning. Because great is your faithfulness to us, Lord. And so, Father, we reset today. We ask, Lord God, that where, where we can only see darkness and gloom, Lord God, we ask that you send the light of your word into the hearts of your people today. Lord, that we would be a people that say, I want to arise. I want to get up and get over this. I want to recognize what the stumbling block is and just put it aside i want to be a person that quickly forgives and is not easily offended lord we want to be a people father that can say let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight lord examine our hearts father god and deal with us renew right spirits in us today we ask in jesus name and Lord, let your work be done by your Holy Spirit, not only as we sit here today, Lord, and maybe enjoy fellowship of one another, but even as we go from this place today, Lord, let your Holy Spirit continue to, to, to deal with our hearts in areas, Father, that need just that, that cleansing and that work of your Spirit, Lord. Your Spirit upon our Spirit, Lord God, producing your will in our lives. And Lord, that that passage on the pathway that you have for each and every one of us. Lord, we pray today in the mighty name of Jesus. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Just receive today. Just receive what the Holy Spirit wants to do. We're going to sing this song, but...